I invite your attention this morning to the Old Testament book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. For the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at this Old Testament book, and it is a familiar book. It's a book that that resonates with us. It's a story that we learn oftentimes in vacation Bible school or in Sunday school as young children. And if you've been around church for any length of time, you probably are familiar at some level with Jonah. Well, I want us to look at it from the lens of and through the perspective of these days of our emphasis that we call Love Loud. In October and November of of the past several years, we've done an emphasis called Love Loud, and we focus on mission projects and emphasis through our Sunday school classes, our Bible fellowship groups, doing ministry and mission all around the city locally. We just want to love Hattiesburg, and we love Hattiesburg in many different ways. And and in years past, you found creative ways to do that. And I'm so excited to see how God will unfold that over these coming weeks. Next week, we'll have a lot of information about uh, those. Our missions committee has prepared just a simple application. We've set aside dollars that, that your class or even a family uh, can ask for funds to be a part of one of these projects, and the missions committee will work with you on those. But as we look at this book of Jonah, I think we will see a missionary calling of God, and, and hopefully we'll begin to see that that's the same calling that he gives to us today, that he wants you and I to live on mission right where we are here in the Pine Belt. And so as we move through the book of Jonah, I pray that God would give us some keen insight into perhaps where we should be focusing our attention in these days. I also want to make mention of one other emphasis. I know if you emphasize everything, then nothing is emphasized. But in this last quarter of the year, uh, we have a devotional guide that we want to put in your hands. And we'll be doing this every week. This is for this week. You can pick it up on your way out at any of our welcome stations or at the Connect station in the back, the one right outside the door. But it's called Finish Strong. And it's just some thoughts about stewardship. It asks some very simple questions about how you're using the resources that God's given you. Not just your financial resources, but your time and your energy and your relationships. And I want to challenge you to pick one of these up. Uh, This emphasis very simply has two components to it. One is that we are challenging you to tithe. If you've never been a part of the biblical practice of tithing, or if that's not been a part of your life, in October, November, December, we want to challenge you to do so. The Bible in one place and one place alone issues a challenge to us. God says, try me or test me in this. If you will bring to me your first fruits, the first tenth of your income, the first tenth of your resources, then I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. God says, try me. And we want to challenge you in these three months to just try God and to give faithfully and obediently. And you'll ask and answer some of those questions and maybe see that more clearly. It's not about money. It's about your heart. God desires to have a deepening relationship with you. The second part of this, though, is that on the last Sunday in November, immediately following Thanksgiving, we're going to have our Thanksgiving love offering. Last year, we took that offering and we gave it away to our mission partnerships. And we used part of it as a capital project to do the renovation on our preschool. 
This year, we're going to take our Thanksgiving love offering, and it's going to focus on our ongoing mission and ministry through our budget. And so we're going to give and watch as we give to Lottie Moon Christmas offering, as we give to our International Mission Board and to our North American Mission Board through our budget. And we want to finish strong this last quarter. So pick up the information that's there on your way out and check those things out. This is one way that you can begin to love loud is to say, Lord, I want everything that you want for me. And if that requires obedience, then so be it. I want to be obedient. Jonah chapter 1. Let's look there together at the first three verses. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let me give you a very simple statement. God calls particular people to particular places for particular purposes. And God's call to Jonah was imperative. Go and preach. He called out to Jonah and said, go and preach. He was called by God to go to Nineveh, a specific place, and to preach against its sin. But when God called Jonah, his reply to God was this, here am I, send someone else. Oh, he didn't say those words. It's not exactly there in Scripture. But his response was, God, I don't want to go this direction. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I'm going in that direction to Tarshish. Send somebody else. It's almost a direct contrast in the response that we see in Isaiah. Do you remember there in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah got a heavenly vision. And God said, who shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah, you can almost see on his tiptoes, Ooh, Lord, here am I. Send me. He said, I will obediently respond to that call. I want to go. But that's not the response of Jonah. Jonah says, here am I. Send somebody else. I don't want to go to Nineveh. And and it's interesting as we look at this notion in verse 3 of Jonah leaving, probably the saddest two words in this passage are the beginning of verse 3. But Jonah. God called But Jonah. But Jonah. And and that probably fits to us. You know, the words no, Lord, just don't go together well. If he's the Lord of our lives, then our answer is yes. What's the question, Lord? What's the assignment, God? What is it that you would have me to do, Father? Because he calls to us from this position of Lord, and we see this great contrast. But sadly, many, many Christians are like Jonah today. I don't know what the Nineveh is in your life. Maybe it's reconciliation. Maybe in in an analogous way, you've got a relationship that is fractured. Maybe you have a prodigal son or daughter. Maybe you're in a relationship with somebody in business and that went south and you have not spoken to them and you have bad blood with that person. And your Nineveh that God is calling you to is to be an agent of reconciliation. And you say, no, Lord. Maybe you could put... But Scott, but Joe, but Jim, whatever your name is, you put your name there, just like Jonah in chapter 1, verse 3. But God, I don't want to reconcile that relationship. God, I don't want to go that direction. Maybe Nineveh for you is repentance. 
Maybe there is some sin, some habit, some hang-up in your life, some area of disobedience, and you know it is wrong. You know it is not pleasing unto the Lord. You know that it's not what He would desire from you. And God's saying, go there. And you're saying, God, I don't want to go there. God, I don't want to face that. Maybe it's restitution of some sort. Maybe you need to to make up for something beyond just a a reconciling of a relationship. And as we move into this love loud focus, I, I just have to ask some questions. Is there a mindset of service in your life and in your hearts? As we think about finishing strong, as we think about giving stewardship an emphasis, as we consider saying, Lord, I want to honor you with my first fruits, is obedience? In your heart? Are you following the Lord or are you weighing your options? I guess that's the, the, the best way for me to boil it down. But because th- this idea of Nineveh for Jonah didn't take long because it was already set in his mind. There was not an attitude of service. There was not an attitude of submission. Jonah immediately, it says, but Jonah, he ran the other way. And Jonah ran from the call of God with anger in his heart. And we'll see in a moment why. But but I want us to see this idea of, of, of Nineveh because many of us are sailing for Tarshish. Where are you headed? Are you headed toward the Lord? Really on, on the, the road or the Christian life, there are only two roads. There's the road that leads to the will of God. And there's the road of disobedience that leads away from the will of God. Very simply, this morning, Hardy Stew, where are you headed? I would say it this way. There is somewhere a job in this church and a ministry and a mission in this world that only you can do. God has a unique plan and He has shaped your life in a unique way. And each of us has a very special part in the body of Christ. And no one is unimportant. When we think about this call and how personal it is in a moment, we'll see that that God calls to Jonah to preach to this city because He had placed it in Jonah's life to be the one to do that. And, And Sometimes we get frustrated and we say, well, God's just interested in the service that I do. No, you'll see that God is keenly interested in Jonah. In fact, God is interested in his mission, but he's very interested in his missionaries. He loves us. It's interesting to me, the city of Nineveh experienced revival. They repented of their sin. And Jonah preached, he cried out against their sin, and they repented, and they experienced a revival of sorts. But very little is mentioned about what happened in Nineveh, and here's why. I believe the book of Jonah is not about what happened in Nineveh. It's about what happened in Jonah. And so for you and for me, we have to be very, very candid and honest with ourselves this morning and ask, am I saying, here am I, Lord? Send someone else. Here am I, Lord. Somebody else can take care of that. Here am I, Lord. I'm just not going to Nineveh. Which way are you headed? I want us to look at three thoughts this morning, three very simple movements, if you will, from this text. Number one, I want us to look at Jonah's call. Jonah's call, verse 1 and 2, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. God calls us personally. I don't know if we've got these for the screen. You can fill those in. But God, Jonah's call, God calls us personally. Think about this. He didn't call Habakkuk or Amos or Obadiah or none of the other prophets to Nineveh. He called Jonah. 
And it says very specifically, Jonah the son of Amittai. And he called with the word of the Lord. It's so important for us to see this wasn't man's word. I've seen far too many preachers that was mama called and not necessarily God called. They just thought it was a good idea to go into ministry. And I've heard over and over again said in ministry that if you don't have a sense of calling, then you will not be able to withstand the spiritual attack. And I found that to be true. That, that when God calls us, but God calls far more than preachers, He calls all of us with this sense of obedience to be missionaries. And this calling goes out directly to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. He, he had God, a God who spoke to him. Now, I don't know how God spoke to Jonah. I don't know if it was audibly like He did with Abraham. I don't know if it was in a, a vision like He did with Peter. I don't know if it was in a dream like it was with Joseph. He didn't have the, the written final record of God's revelation, His Word. But we know that He spoke to him in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And for you and for me this morning, it's clear that we need to hear this, that God continues to speak in a still, small voice, a prompting of the Spirit. God speaks into our hearts Oftentimes, you've been there, God wanted you to speak to someone. God wanted you to bless someone. He wanted you to help someone. There was just this clear sense, God is in that moment. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. And the word of the Lord continues to go out to missionaries today. Here's my question. Has the word of the Lord come to you this week? I'm not talking about something that happened 10 years ago. Oftentimes we live in a past tense, future tense relationship. I, I was saved when I was little and I am going to heaven one day when I die. But right here in the middle is the word of the Lord continuing to come to you. And it comes to us as we spend time in the word, as we pray, as we invest time listening for the Spirit's call. Jonah heard from God. Jonah's call was very personal. I, I love that God calls us personally. God still calls particular people to particular places for particular purposes, but he, he calls far more than preachers, as I said. He calls teachers and lawyers and truck drivers and business people and housewives and bank tellers. He calls to people in their rank-and-file lives, in their ordinary days. He says, I long for you to complete tasks for me and for my glory. In Psalm 16, 11, David said, God makes known to us the path of life, and His presence is fullness of joy. It's a good thing to remember that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. He, he takes those that are available to Him. And that is a, a lesson that we need to hear repeated over and over again. Some of you feel un, incredibly inadequate for the task of any sort of ministry. But God is not calling just those special people who are already fully equipped. equipped. He's calling people who would just simply say, yes, Lord. He, he's calling out to you and saying, in this season of love loud, you can make an impact on a neighbor. You can make an impact on your business. You can make an impact on your campus. You can make an impact for Christ if you would simply rise up and say, yes, Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Interesting. It was very personal. I want you to see this, though. Not only was it personal, God calls us pointedly. It was very specific. Go and preach. Those are the imperatives that are here. Go and preach. And before you dismiss that in some way, 
You, you need to recognize that God's plan is to bless us, not in an end, as an end in ourselves, but that we would be a blessing to others. We would become a conduit of blessing to others. Now, Noah's, uh, excuse me, Jonah's resistance here was, was because of his hatred toward the Ninevites and his love for his own people. And, and I want to say this very clearly because it's important for all of us to hear. God gave him a very pointed call to go to the nations. He was going to a culture that was different from his. A people that spoke a different language. They had a, a different, it was a, a Gentile nation, a pagan nation. And in the mind of most of those Jews, they probably would have said, well, the ways that God will bless us are twofold. He'll either increase our strength or he will in some way diminish the strength of our enemies. And for God to call him to a task that would somehow bless another nation was very, very foreign. It is possible that a church can exist quite comfortably for a long time with an inward focus. It is possible that a Christian could exist quite comfortably for a long time with an inward focus. God is for me. God is blessed me and my family. But God has a heart for the nations. And, and as we study through this book, it, it may become shocking to us exactly how passionate God is for the nations. You realize this morning that God loves the Russians and the Iranians. He loves the Palestinians and the Israelis. Do you realize that God loves the Ninevites in this story, so much that he would send a prophet, a voice to go and to speak to him. Go to Nineveh. It was a clear call, very pointed, very urgent. Nineveh, a, a, a wicked city, a large city in modern-day Iraq. The streets were up to 20 miles long through the center, 100-foot walls around this city. The population exceeded perhaps 200,000. The Bible tells us a little bit later in this book that there were 120,000 people who did not know their right hand from their left. And some commentators have said maybe he was just talking about the children. It may have been all of them. Nevertheless, a city of 120,000 people at its smallest. And God sent Jonah to go to this city. And Jonah's selfishness was shining through. But God's passion for the nations may shock us. God called Jonah to leave the people that he loved in the place that he loved, in the life that he loved, because God loved others. Like other Israelites, Jonah believed that God blessed his people by destroying enemies. But we come to a later place in Scripture where Christ would say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And we selectively begin to apply those scripture verses and we struggle through them and say yeah but God could never love hold on we don't ever need to get to the place where we say God could never love because you could probably write my name in there I told the story this week to several people one of my high school teachers was walking past us in the, uh, the aisleway at Walmart and she stopped and I called her by name. She didn't remember me well until I spoke to her and I introduced myself. And then she seemed to remember some things. I was a bit shocked about what she might have remembered. And I said to her, she said, what are you doing now? And I said, well, I'm a pastor now. And her response was quite disturbing. She went, oh, really? <laughs> and her face lit up as if to say, as I watched that little hamster spinning, I'm just surprised you're not in prison. I am, 
wow, you're a pastor. Well, interesting. And just kind of carted her way on off. You see, God loved me even at my worst. God loved me in spite of me. And he loves you in spite of you. And he loved the Ninevites in spite of the Ninevites enough to send a prophet to go and speak a word to them and that they might repent. And Jonah knew that there was a possibility that they would repent. In fact, that's what he would say later. I mean, it may have been different if God had called him to go to Jerusalem or to Bethlehem, but Nineveh, a pagan city. But before you and I get too, too quick to point a finger, are we not at times so inclined as to think that we in America are somehow the chosen people of God? That we as a so-called Christian nation are... The people of God, and He loves us more than He loves others. But we need to remind ourselves through these words of the commission to take the gospel to the whole world, to all peoples, to the nations. And that may be a difficult thing. But thirdly, I want you to see this. It's, it's not only, this call is not only very personal and very pointed. It comes with purpose. God's call comes with purpose. He calls him to preach against the city. And I, I won't spend a long time here, but these imperatives of go and preach. He didn't call him to go and do social ministry. He didn't call him to start a soup kitchen. Uh, I'm not against soup kitchens. He didn't call him to put together a clothes closet. I'm not against clothes closets. But God called him to preach truth. And when the church comes back around to the commission to share the gospel and make disciples, you say, Pastor, God has not called me to preach, but he has called every one of us to be disciple makers. He's called all of us to replicate ourselves in others. Jesus said, as you are going, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. So before you get too high and mighty and say, everything God wants me to do, I do. Brother Scott, I come to church every Sunday. And I'll finish strong because I started strong. I've been tithing for a long time. And I, I'm in Sunday school and in the, I sing in the choir and all these other metrics. And God says very pointedly, I want you to make a disciple that makes other disciples. God, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I want to stay right here. You see this personal, pointed, purposeful call. Issued to Jonah, was pushed into a place of discomfort for him. He had to step outside of his comfort zone to say, I'll go. So what he said was, Lord, here am I. Send somebody else. Let's move on from his call to his fall. I've already mentioned those two words, but Jonah. He rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Think about this. What an honor had come to Jonah. Jonah has been called out by God himself to go and do a task. You would think he would wear that with a badge of honor and be humbled by it. God, you have called me to, to cooperate with you on this mission of reaching into 120,000 plus people and to share good news with them that they do not have to be destroyed. But Jonah, 
Instead of being thankful, Jonah fled from God's will. He's no different from us. So many times we doubt God's word. We, we may give lip service to obedience, but we are not following his ways. Jonah had a prophetic call. He knew God's word. He knew God. He knew the Lord, and he knew the Lord had called him. And I dare say that there are those who are reading these words today and hearing these words today that know the Lord, and you know you've been called for, by God, and perhaps in some area of your life, you're simply saying, no, Lord. It's quite an oxymoron, isn't it? No, Lord. Well, we've looked at Jonah's call and Jonah's fall. I want to give you one simple thought. Jonah's likeness in us all. We see Jonah's call, we see Jonah's fall, and now we'll see Jonah's likeness in us all. We'll see how we fit. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book of some sort. Jonah was called, and then we see Jonah falling. But it was a decisive fall. It was a clear decision. He determined he was going that direction. In fact, we know that because he went the wrong direction. We understand that Tarshish was the farthest known city of that day, perhaps even as far as Spain, over 2,000 miles away from Joppa. And when God calls him, he calls him to go in one direction, and literally he goes the other, from east to west. A lot of us have a Tarshish out there somewhere. It's a place where we think we can minister. We think we can do okay. And yet, if we go without the calling of God, we go without the power and the blessing of God. That's where, again, you can sing in church and, and teach Sunday school and be an usher or a deacon or even on staff at a church. But if you're in a place where God has not called and God has not led, then you go there without the power and the presence of God. And that is a scary place. We're all like this in some ways when you think about it it's pretty incredible here was God's man why would he run away with rape why would he run away from life what if God called you today to Afghanistan what if God spoke to your heart and said I want you to uproot from where you are in South Mississippi and I want you to go to India I want you to go to another country. And you would say, but Lord, their, their culture is so different and so antagonistic from ours. Maybe, just maybe, you begin to see how much more like Jonah we look than we would honestly own up to. Perhaps Jonah went to Tarshish because he was afraid he would become unpopular. Maybe, just maybe, it's because of the anger in his heart. But it's interesting to see he knew where he was going. He was running away from the Lord. One quick side note, if you see there, the word down occurs a number of times. Look with me for just a moment at this. He went down to Joppa. He went down to the ship. He went down into the sea. Later we'll see him go down into the belly of the fish. He went down into the deep. This is a vivid picture of what it's like to move in disobedience. We never fall upward. We spiral downward, and if you find yourself running from the Lord, I promise you the direction is only down. It's foolish and futile to think that we can run from the Lord. Jeremiah 23, 24, can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot find him? Do I not fill the heaven and the earth? I, I want to relay a quick story. I shared it Wednesday night, and I've shared it with several of you. Jerry Bird, who's right up here in the choir, everybody wave at Jerry real quick. Jerry went with us to Idaho. Um, 
Now, I, I'm picking on him, and I, I can do this because I love him. We spent time together. Jerry speaks good, proper Southern, okay? And in fact, in North Idaho, I had to do some interpreting on occasion for Jerry. He would say something to the Idahoans, and they would tilt their head and scratch their heads and not know, and so we would interpret. Jerry loves the Lord. I, I'm not putting him on the spot to pick on him. I'm putting him on the spot because he was sensitive to the Spirit of God, and God used him on our preacher school. We were at the Sacagawea Inn. This is a fine establishment of about 11 or 12 rooms. We're in a town of 3,000 people, three hours from Walmart. Let's just say this is remote. And Jerry, at breakfast one morning in this tucked away little hotel, in a tucked away little town, 3,000 miles from here, asked the waitress, who, by the way, had checked us into our rooms the night before. That's the kind of place this is, small. He said, I bet y'all don't have no grits on that menu, do you? And she said, well, I can't make grits for you, but my cook can. She's from Mississippi. Really? And I said, well, I, I'd love to meet her. I'd love to find out. Tell me about her. And I said, where is she from? And they said, it's a funny name, little town. I think it's called Olive Branch. I said, really? I've lived in Olive Branch, Mississippi the last 10 years. Long story short, here's a prodigal young girl who had been at odds with her family because of addiction and other problems and put her thumb out on the interstate in Memphis and ended up in Colorado and ended up in the Dakotas and then ended up in Salmon, Idaho. And we got to share Christ with her and she began to talk about going to church as a child at Longview Heights Baptist Church. And I said to this young lady, that's the church that I served as associate pastor. And we just began to make connections with her family. And, and, and prayerfully, God is already doing some things to maybe help her get reconnected. She's gotten her life cleaned up and, and back on track. And I, I, I certainly am not trying to expose her or her life. But I'm just simply saying, in all of this, Jerry brought home a point to me. We're finishing up breakfast, and he said, you know what? Eight years ago and 17 preacher schools ago, God put it in your heart to train pastors and church planters, and you had those pastors on your heart, and God had Lindsay on his heart. You never know how saying yes to God will impact others that you had no idea about. Jonah could not know clearly the circumstance of these 120,000 plus Ninevites but when he came to the place of repenting and saying yes to God, God used him in their lives. And God will use us in the lives of others, maybe even in some grandchild of yours that's not yet born. I, we don't know when Jesus will come back, but I'm just telling you this. God's plan is so much bigger than anything we can comprehend. And when you and I begin to think that we're in control, we begin to see very clearly that God has a bigger scope, a bigger purpose. And he knits and weaves this tapestry of redemption together in such a glorious way when we obey him. Jonah's likeness is very clear in all of us. There are times that we say no to the Lord, but it's foolish. <laughs> Lindsay had no idea that God was planning preacher schools when she hitchhiked out of Olive Branch, Mississippi. It's interesting to me that the Bible says that he found a ship. We're almost done. He, he was looking for it. It's a dangerous thing to justify your rebellion when things start falling into place. You see, Jonah had already said he's running. I'm going this way. And it says he found a ship. And some of you say, well, I'm not going to do what the Lord wants. And then circumstances seem to line up and you go, see, it all worked out. 
Let, let me say it this way. Satan is very crafty in the way that he works, and I promise you he will always provide transportation for the road to disobedience. Hello? Satan will gladly provide for you transportation for those who are running from the will of God. He does for Jonah, and he will for you. Once we step down the pathway of disobedience, the road spirals downward. And it's amazing how skillful the devil is in helping that out. Well, we've seen Jonah's call and his fall, and we've seen how he is like all of us. And I'll reiterate that no one ever goes up while living in rebellion. They never fall up. There's no standing still on the way to Tarshish. Many of us are paying the fare for a life of rebellion against the will of God. And the Bible's clear of that price. The wages of sin is death. Now, this has been somewhat negative. I, I realize that. But it's the reality of disobedience in his life that shapes the tenor of this sermon and the tone. The, the beauty is, if you've read the rest of the story, and many of you have, we move forward and see a repentance that takes place in his life, and we'll move that way. My encouragement to you is don't wait. Don't start with no, Lord, and come around today. Just simply say yes. He's standing arms open wide. He loves you so much that he would die in your place, a substitutionary death, suspended between heaven and earth on a rugged, cruel cross. He would stretch forth his arms and say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. His forgiveness is available to you today. And maybe, just maybe, if you're living in a place of rebellion against the Lord, you're a believer, you're a Christian believer, you, you have trusted Christ, maybe, just maybe, you need to reckon with the Nineveh in your life and say, yes, Lord, here am I, I will go there. Not, here am I, send someone else. I, I want us to pray. I, I want us to focus for just a moment on this one word, obedience. Whatever it is that God has prompted in your heart to obey Him over, that's what I'm calling you to do. Perhaps you need to be saved today. You've never trusted the Lord. You've never placed your faith there. Obey Him. Just step out. We'll have encouragers here at the front, our prayer team here. They'd love to take God's Word and share with you how you can become a Christian. And I would encourage you in that, to be obedient. Maybe obedience is needed in in. Repentance. Maybe you are a believer and you just need to repent. Maybe it's in this that you need to join this church today. You need to come and just say, I want to be a part of what God is doing right there at Hardy Street. I want to love loud in my community. Whatever God has for you, you follow. And let's stand together as Brother Wes and our instrumentalists come. We'll sing together. Father, thank you for this time. We give it to you now and ask that you would move in Jesus' name. Amen.